Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hello and welcome to episode eight. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're loving this podcast and you haven't done it yet, can I ask you to press pause for just a minute and head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a rating and review. It's a totally free way to support the show and it helps us get the word out to podcast listeners who haven't found us yet. We'd also love to have you join us on Instagram or Facebook. Connecting with you and hearing your thoughts on the week's episode is one of my favorite parts of this process. This week, I'm chatting with Lindsay Walker. Lindsay is the Interim Vice Provost of Stony Brook University on Long Island, New York. She's also a wife and mom and the right-hand woman of the youth group of Bethel United Pentecostal Church. Lindsay has had a remarkable professional career in the extremely secular environment of post-secondary education. And she joined me to talk about how God has ordered her steps, even in seemingly small decisions. We talk about both the challenges and the opportunities of being the only apostolic in the workplace. And Lindsay offers encouragement to young people making important life decisions, like whether to pursue Bible college or secular college or which career path to choose. I think there's a lot here for students, parents, or anyone who is striving to maintain a godly witness in a secular environment. I hope you enjoy this one. Here's my conversation with Lindsay Walker. Lindsay Walker, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited to have you on to talk about uh, some education and career stuff. We'll get right into that in a moment, but why don't you just start off by introducing yourself? So my name is Lindsay, and I was born and raised in a really small town in Louisiana in an apostolic home. And then God in all of his ways, and maybe as a joke or something, I don't know, led me to Long Island. And I went from a really small town where there were a few thousand people to now, you know, being in the New York metro area. And we now live on Long Island. We go to Bethel United Pentecostal Church. My husband, Jonathan, is the youth pastor there. We have two beautiful children. Quincy is eight and Graham is three. So they keep us very active and we're really just blessed to serve with what we call the BYG, which is the Bethel Youth Group uh, within Bethel, and then serving under Pastor and, and Sister Davis. I also work full-time at Stony Brook University, and my current role there is I serve as the Interim Vice Provost for Global Affairs. Very cool. So you and I met at Bethel. We were blessed to be there at the same time, overlapped some years there before Dave and I got married and moved away. So we are, we love Bethel. We love the Davises. We love Long Island (laughs) and we, we miss being there with you guys and um, enjoy any chance we get to come back. I'm so glad you were able to join me today to, to be on the podcast. 
So the the topic that we wanted to talk to you about today was education and career and how we can let God lead us in our choices about our education and our career. And your experience and your background lends itself really well to this topic. And recently, my husband and I had seen where you had given a presentation about this and watched it and thought it was phenomenal. And there were things in there that I didn't even know about your story that were really cool. And so I'd like you to talk a little bit about some of that, how God's directed your career path and kind of the doors that he's opened for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I think probably each of us have our our own stories and unique ways of how God has led us in different ways. But, you know, I'm very blessed to say God has truly, clearly orchestrated just every step of my education and my career. After graduating with my undergrad degree, I moved to Cincinnati and Jonathan and I got married and I started an MBA program. And it really all started here as a part of my MBA program. I was given an opportunity to participate in a summer program in Denmark and the program I had applied for. And it was a full paid program that I would go and it would take the place of my thesis. And so honestly, like that was the driving factors, right? It's free and it <laughs> takes the place of my thesis. Jonathan and I, we prayed about it and we felt like it was right, but really speaking honestly, I mean, those were the factors that really drove my decision. And what I didn't realize is that was one of the first major steps of God really using things that I didn't even realize at the time to open future doors. Because then fast forward a few years, we moved to Long Island. That single experience is what qualified me for my first job at Long Island University. And then my next job at Stony Brook University, a requirement of the position that I applied for at Stony Brook was specifically to have an international education experience. Mm. And so it's just amazing how God sees these things further down the road than we even realize. I mean, did I have a great experience in Denmark? Absolutely. It helped me educationally, personally, in so many ways. But I just, I didn't even see the full picture, and yet God was orchestrating all of those steps so much further down the line than I realized. And really, since then, it's just been once I applied and got my first position at Stony Brook in 2009, I haven't applied for another job at Stony Brook. He's truly just opened the doors and allowed me to kind of step into new roles. And each step of the way, it's just been something that's been really divinely orchestrated by him. I caveat that to say it's not been perfect, right? I mean, there's right. seasons of if there's been some really challenging times in my professional career where you kind of wonder, like, God, is this really where you wanted me to be? But what I think we all realize as we move through different phases of life is that you look back and it's those challenging times where you say, you really did know what you were doing. And I learned this or I grew in this way. So I want to be careful to not make it sound like it, it was all uh, roses. It, it has been so blessed and so divinely orchestrated, but also, you know, certainly seasons where there's been challenges, but I still feel like that's God's orchestration, you know, and really allowing me to learn and, and to grow and to develop. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know, Lindsay, that I jumped out of order here, so I apologize for that. Oh, that's fine. But backing up a little bit, when you first were making plans 
to pursue education, presumably after high school, you made the choice to go a secular path, a traditional college path. And I have to wonder, did you ever consider Bible school? And how do you counsel young people now in your role with the with your church? How do you counsel young people who are trying to make a decision between going to Bible school and going a traditional educational route? That's a great question and something that a lot of young people are faced with. For me personally, I would say I never really seriously considered attending Bible college. I, I was actively involved in Bible quizzing, and so I had a lot of apostolic friends who certainly went that path. For me, it was never something that I really seriously considered. I think mostly because from an early age, I always had these big aspirations for secular jobs, Mm. which honestly, at the time, you know, when you're in high school, you don't, like I had no idea. But now looking back, I realized that was, that was God really starting to lead me because he knew that with us living on Long Island, I would need to be able to have a secular job here to help us and support us on Long Island. So it goes back to one of the things where God's really ordering your steps early on. But Mm. I had really from elementary school, I always thought I wanted to be an attorney. That was my career aspiration. And I stuck with me all the way through high school. Even when I was in college, that's what I thought I was going to go into law school. I took the LSAT. Obviously, I ended up moving into an MBA path. But it was just for me, I had those goals and aspirations. And so then I I knew that secular college was really the right path for me in that way. As for how I guide others on this decision is that I really do think it should be a personal and a prayerful decision. Certainly not something that's based on what others are doing or what one may feel pressured one way or the other to do. Yeah, I think it really has to do with praying and feeling where God is leading you and your goals and where you see God's plan for your life. Because either way, you know, to go to Bible college can absolutely be God's perfect plan to prepare you for what he has for you. But the same can be true for secular college. And Mm -hmm. I feel really strongly that for me and where God led us, that was the path for me because that really equipped me and set me up to be able to be in the position that I am in and really allow us to live and and be a part of Bethel and and here on Long Island and New York Metro. So I think it really goes back to being prayerful and and a personal decision. I don't, there's not necessarily one right way, but I do think it's something that requires a lot of thought and planning and and prayer to make sure that young people are making the right choice for their future. I like that. I really, I really, I agree with that 100%. I also went the traditional college route. And I think that you're right. We have to understand that God is directing us even at, in those early decisions with a bigger picture in mind. I think that it would be easy as someone who doesn't think the way God thinks, which none of us do, right? To say, okay, well, she's going to grow up. She's going to be a a preacher's wife. It makes the most sense for her to go through Bible college. But like you're saying, your path as a family was to put you in a place that's very expensive to live. Right. And in order for you all to do that, you know, we, (laughs) we, we have to pay our bills and feed our kids and those things. And so the Lord just set you up to be in a position to be able to follow the ministry path that he also had for you as a, as a family and as a couple. And I think that's really cool. Right. I know that there are, I think that 
this fear or this wariness is is less than it was whenever maybe you and I were graduating high school and starting college. But I do think that there are still some apostolic parents who are fearful of their kids going through traditional college paths. Do you have any any wisdom about that? Any advice for them? And how did you balance that when you were in school of going in and learning the things that you needed to learn without compromising your faith or your personal convictions? Yeah, you know, I think that this is a a great point and a great question, and it really goes all back to having a really strong foundation, Mm. knowing what we believe, believing in the authenticity of the Word of God. And as long as we have that strong foundation, then I feel so strongly that we don't have anything to fear in terms of being thrown these, you know, ideas or things that you know, topics that make us uncomfortable, or it really goes back to even the name of your podcast, right? It's okay to to be questioned and Mm -hmm. to feel like we need to pursue those in our own minds. And I think that actually makes us better Christians and stronger Christians. So certainly when I was in college to now, things have changed a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I know that personally just because I work in higher education, so I see it. So even from when, when I was starting and making decisions on college 20 or so years ago to now, things are quite different in terms of, of higher education. And I think that that's, I can understand that concern. But at the same time, we I think the important thing is to flip that and see this as an opportunity mm-hmm. to really understand where people are coming from and be willing to to learn and to force ourselves to grow and to read. And I remember even as an undergraduate reading uh, Lee Strobel's The Case for a Creator, because that's a question that, you know, was really coming up. And I read a whole variety of several books, you know, and really kind of helping make sure that I was firm in in my understanding and, and my beliefs in the Bible. And I think that it's important to understand that these things can help us grow as Christians and make us better, stronger believers. And really understanding some of these things of where people come from can help us meet them at their most accessible point. Now, that's not to say there are some people who just want to engage in arguments, right? And try to prove their point. And, mm. and that's very different. And, and if that's the point of a conversation, then you're not really going to come to middle ground. But there may be people who truly are seeking and want to have understanding. And when you understand some of these different concepts and perspectives and ideas, it allows you to really be able to meet them at that point and engage in a level of understanding of biblical truths. And one thing that I have tried to really do, I probably didn't do it as well as I should have in my my undergrad career, but really since I started my MBA and all through my professional career, I'm not saying I'm perfect and I certainly miss days, but I really try to always pray on the armor of God in Ephesians 6. Mm. I think it's one of those things that like that will equip us so that we can go into these settings, be it higher education or where you work or or just in your day-to-day life to really make sure we're protected in terms of the helmet and the breastplate and the shield and our feet. And when you pray Ephesians 6, then you're protecting yourself, you're equipping yourself, so we don't have to be afraid or fearful. I work in a setting where 
to my knowledge that there's, I've never, I don't think I've ever worked with an apostolic in my professional career, Mm. but yet these things, it doesn't intimidate me and it doesn't make me fearful because I recognize that this is an opportunity that we have. Now, you know, when you're college age, it's, it's maybe a little bit different, but like I said, it really all goes back to making sure you have that firm foundation. And as long as you do, don't, don't be afraid to learn and to grow and to engage in tough conversations. And it's also okay to say you don't know the answer to every question. And I felt mm-hmm. like that really was freeing for me because I always felt a pressure of like, if someone asked me something about the Bible, I have to know the answer. Or if I don't know the answer, that means it's not true. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Yeah. It's okay to say, that's a really great question. Let me look into that and, and let's talk about it more later. Or, you know, I mean, and that doesn't mean that you're any less of a Christian, right. you know, none of us are experts in, in everything in the Bible. And so I feel like that can be very freeing for us to kind of take off the pressure of feeling like you have to know every answer to every theological question. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love that point about when you understand the concepts in the belief systems that other people hold, it makes it easier for you to find a place where we can start on common ground, even if that common ground seems very, very far away from like biblical truth that we're trying to impart to someone. If we're not starting in the, in the same place, we're going on two different paths and we're never going to meet, right? So when you understand the secular or worldly even belief systems that people hold, you can start at a place where you can at least engage with them using the same language that they're used to using or... Absolutely using the concepts that they're familiar with and then building on those things to a point where you can start to share with them the truth of the gospel and the truth of the word. I think that's so valuable. And I think a lot of times when we're afraid to do that, when we're afraid to learn about things that we know are contrary to our belief system, that we remove ourselves from the conversation and it, and we can't have impact if we're not in the conversation. Absolutely. Right. It also reminds me a lot. I love to read about Daniel and, you know, the three Hebrew boys and about how they came into captivity and they were singled out as uh, young men of excellence. They took the classes. They learned the things that they needed to learn in this foreign place, these foreign concepts to such a point and to such excellence that they were able to be elevated in that in that setting. But they did that without compromising their heritage, their faith, their belief in God. And every time I read that, I'm just struck by that about how, you know, they they couldn't go in there (laughs) challenging everything all the time and be elevated to the positions they were in. And so I think it's such a great example to look to. Absolutely. You told a story in the presentation that I saw about your first interview at Stony Brook. Would you mind to tell that story and how that went for you? Yeah. So I applied for a job at Stony Brook and it's a state institution and generally speaking quite competitive to to get a job because it's just uh, individuals tend to like to have state jobs for protection and the various benefits so it's, it's quite competitive not unique to the job I was applying for just jobs in general at Stony Brook and so I went in with really like no insider track. I didn't know anyone. We were new to the area. And at this point, I'm in like my third interview for the position at Stony Brook. And it was with the dean who I would be working for. And 
I don't even know how, honestly, it came up. I'm assuming he said, what brought you to Long Island or something Mm -hmm. like that. And I probably said, my husband accepted a position at a church here. And so we moved here. I'm guessing that's how it came up. Mm -hmm. And he just, he asked, and and it's probably something that now would be inappropriate to ask, but this was in 2009. And and he asked, (laughs) and he said, you know, do you believe in God? Are you a Christian? And, and I said, yes, I do. And I thought, oh, wow, like, here we go, you know? <laughs> and he, and then he just told me, he said, I'm agnostic. Hmm. And I remember in the moment thinking like, well, there, there goes this job, you know, like <laughs> I, but at that point you're in it. Right. And so there were moments when I thought, man, what, what was I thinking? Like, why did I say anything? But at that point he knew. And so we had a small conversation about the Bible. He asked me, if I knew the first miracle that Jesus performed and, you know, I said, yes. And so we had a little discussion about that. And so we had a little discussion on the Bible. He certainly knew a a lot about the Bible, but I remember leaving and I even told Jonathan after I left the interview and I called him and I said, you know, it's just not happening. Like there's just no way I'm going to get this job. You know, like he's agnostic. He knows that, you know, we're Christian. And I explained to him a little bit about what we believe and, you know, the conversation went fine, but there's just no way he's, he's going to hire me. And, you know, sure enough, a week or two later, I got an offer and it really was the start of a foundation of respect that we had. You know, we didn't share the same belief system, and yet he had a, a level of respect for me and what I believed, and I was able to respect him in, in his role. And it's just one of those things where God reinforced to me once again, kind of what we were talking about before, like you don't have to be worried or fearful or nervous about how this is all going to play. Like when we really trust God and his orchestration of our lives, he's going to work it all out for our good. That doesn't mean it's all going to be good, but it will work out for our good. And it was really, it was just a really great reminder to me again, that God can use even the scenarios where when you think there's, there's no way this is going to work out. And yet, you know, he can turn all of that, you know, for us and, and allow us to have favor. And it's like you said, I mean, we're talking Daniel had favor, Joseph had favor, Esther had favor. I mean, these are people who had favor in settings that were not apostolic settings that, you know, they were in secular settings mm-hmm. and yet, you know, really did did find favor. And I don't think that has to be confined to the Old Testament or to the Bible days, but I think that that's applicable still to us today. I agree. I agree. So in your role there, or in any of your, you know, your career experiences, have you ever had any pushback or, or discrimination or any kind of moments where you had to kind of draw a line in the sand and stand for what you believed in any kind of pushback for that? Yeah. So this is, I thought about this question in terms of discrimination. I have to tell you, honestly, I would say, no, I haven't experienced discrimination because of my beliefs in the sense of, I haven't had any negative repercussions on a promotion or being able to stay in my job or having any of any of that. Hmm. So discrimination, I would say no. But in terms of pushback, uncomfortable conversations, really saying I'm not willing to take this position 
because it doesn't align with my ethics and morals and, and where I stand, those situations absolutely mm. happen. And I think generally speaking now where I am and my colleagues and those that I work with understand this, but certainly those are conversations. And honestly, I think they're to be expected in some ways. Certainly more of this for me has happened on an informal level. So not necessarily on a formal level of these are your job duties and it doesn't align with your belief system as much as the informal conversations that tend to happen in a workplace mm. and being willing to not be abrasive or try to be contentious, but yet also it's my responsibility to not be ashamed to say where we differ, right? And, and mm-hmm. how I believe and recognizing that that's okay. So certainly there's been some interesting conversations and some intense conversations and some where you leave that to say we agree to disagree type conversations. But I have been really fortunate to not truly experience discrimination in the sense of you know, negative repercussions towards my job and my career path because of my belief system, which is saying a lot, you know, in the world of global affairs and, you know, in higher education. So I'm really thankful to God for that. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot to the way that we present ourselves, right? Like you were saying, you know, not being contentious and not coming in, you could walk in there looking for a fight, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if you look for one, you're going to find one and (laughs) And it probably won't go well. But when we just are who we are, and like you said, you're praying on the armor of God and you're growing in wisdom yourself as you mature and grow and in your job and in the Lord. And it helps us to kind of be in those situations and be strong and confident in who we are and what we believe and not have to join every argument we're invited to, I guess. And also just to know that we have an answer for what we believe and we're not going to back down from it, but we're also going to treat people with respect and we're going to maintain our own dignity. (laughs) You know, I think that all of those things go a long way. Absolutely. And I think you can tell something from someone's fear, right? If someone is really seeking to learn more and know more and wanting to know what you believe, I'm not saying they're even open to changing themselves, but they're really wanting to, to, seek to understand, Mm -hmm. then to me, that's, that's where I want to be willing to have that conversation because then we're coming to a point where we can find that middle ground and maybe grow from there. But you also learn, and there are some people who they're not seeking to understand. They're seeking to incite frustration and contention. And that's the times where like, you you don't have to engage in that, right? If Mm -hmm. it's not going to produce any positive outcome, then it's okay to make a decision to just not engage in that. And that's something that I think I've, I've learned and, and that I've been able to grow in maturity in. And not that I never really liked to speak contention, so that was never something that was too much of an issue for me. But just understanding, like, the balance, though, of, like, also having the boldness to be willing to speak up and engage in conversations when the door is open, mm-hmm. but then also in turn knowing when, it's okay to just move on, you know, and allow yourself to not. And so for me, it's maybe even more the other of making sure that my spiritual sensitivity is always heightened enough because sometimes we can get, I should say, at least me, I can get so caught up in the routine of life that like you go to work, you check the boxes, you come home, that maybe my spiritual sensitivity isn't heightened enough 
to be willing to engage in those opportunities where I may have a chance. So just mm. maybe like it was probably two weeks ago, there was a conversation happening at work. And I remember leaving and I even came home and I told Jonathan, I was like, man, I, I think I missed a chance when they ask a certain question, like I'm, I, I was too engaged in my work and whatever. Like, I, I think I might've missed a window to really share with them something that I'm not saying it would have created apostolic conversion in the moment, but it could have been a conversation started to move forward. Right. And so it's one of those things that at least for me personally, I feel like God can allow us to grow in maturity, to have that spiritual maturity and sensitivity to, to know when to engage in those conversations, but also to know when to stay away. Right. For sure. For sure. So you've been given a lot of like interesting opportunities at Stony Brook and it's been fun to just watch from afar through your social media to see kind of the different positions you've had and the, and the way that the doors have opened for you. And you mentioned before that you haven't worked with anyone else as far as you know, who was also apostolic. So that means you're there influencing and impacting people who probably aren't interacting with many other apostolics, if any at all. Have you seen any positive outcomes from that? Have you seen the ability to influence and impact people in that way? Yeah, it's been, it's really amazing because pretty much everyone that I'm interacting with is not apostolic, but also something that's maybe somewhat unique for our area is that a lot of them, I mean, they're not even like vaguely familiar with apostolics. Certainly they would be familiar with Christianity in general. Uh, Whereas in, when I grew up in the South, it was, Everyone kind of knew, you know, mm-hmm. of what of what you believe. They they may have a different religion, but they, generally speaking, you kind you kind of knew about that. That's not necessarily the case here. Right. Um, and so, in some ways, I think it brings a freshness and a fresh mm-hmm. opportunity. And so, yes, my colleagues, it's amazing. Even through this last year, when it's been a lot of challenges, you know, they'll always say things like, "How do you keep a positive attitude?" or "How do you not get, you know, nervous or anxious or stressed out?" And, and then to me. That's those windows of opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when I can say, we really trust God and we know that God's going to help us through this. And, you know, my, he's my constancy and, and my family and my church provide a sense of stability. And those are opportunities. You know, my colleagues now, it's like the joke in the office. They say, if anything goes wrong, just ask Lindsay's God and, and he'll answer. You know, that's <laughs> like the, that's the joke. And so certainly... A lot of my colleagues have visited Bethel. They've come to our Christmas drama or the youth concert. A few students that I have to be careful in terms of the student relationship, but mm-hmm. there's a few students who I've been connected to, not from a professional standpoint, but through mutual friends who they know are coming to Stony Brook. So I've been able to reach out to them and have lunch with them. They have come with me to Bethel. Unfortunately, none of them are faithful members of Bethel (laughs) at this point. Some of that is a challenge of the distance Mm -hmm. because, as you may be aware, uh, people in Suffolk County and out on Long Island think that Nassau County and close to the city is so far away and vice versa. <laughs> Those that are in New York mm-hmm. City think Suffolk County is out in the country. You know, so so that creates a little bit of challenges. But I try to stay positive to know like the seeds are planted. Right. And that's my job, right? God has put me in a position to plant the seeds, to water the seeds, and he will allow that to grow. And so that's my prayer is that, you know, these opportunities can be taken to 
you know, the next level for them to really grow in their relationship with God. Yeah, it's something that we talked about on an earlier episode with my friends, Allie and Jamel, who are a military family and have kind of the similar limitations, right? You can't come into a military setting and like teach a Bible study, especially as the commander of the mm-hmm. unit. Like that's not uh, something that's going to be right. acceptable, but through relationship and through living out just love for your neighbor, right? And being who you are right. everywhere you go, you do get the opportunity to establish relationships where then you have influence. And all of that is like like exactly what you said. It's planting seeds, it's watering seeds. And then it's saying, okay, God, I'm not responsible for the increase here. Right. I don't have to feel guilty or down on myself because I don't see what I think are results. Right. I just have to do the job you've given me to do in this moment. And then you're going to take and do with it what you will. I really, really love that. So you mentioned that your husband is the youth pastor at Bethel. And so how does your, your career, because you mean you have a very important job and I imagine it's very time consuming and energy consuming. How does that impact and interact with you guys and your ministry as a couple at Bethel? And how does it affect him and his ability to do his job? You know, this has probably been something that God has really helped me with maybe the most. And in some ways, maybe it's allowed me to grow the most. I feel like my career has really allowed me to mature and and grow in so many ways that I wouldn't have otherwise had. You know, I think it's hopefully it's making me more understanding a better leader, even for young people, I get to see firsthand the stress that they're feeling from education and and kind of these mindsets that, that, that are being thrown at them. As a working mother, I feel like it's allowed me to be very understanding in that because it's something I'm dealing with. And it's just, it's made me, I think, a more well-rounded person to the point where it it also makes me a better Christian. It hopefully makes me a better youth leader because I can really have a broader base of understanding. Mm -hmm. But in turn, I will also tell you that it it creates more stress, right? right? I mean, so especially pre-COVID when when you have evening activities at church and things, there's many weeks where, you know, we'll have at least three days a week, not including weekends, which are other church activities, but where we wake up the kids go school, daycare, I'm off to work, work all day, come home. We've got 30 minutes to like hopefully shower them, <laughs> feed them quickly and leave. And we're off to church and then, you you know, you're getting home at 10 or so at night and then you're doing it all over the next day and multiple days in a row. And that can become taxing. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but God has really allowed me to learn how to navigate this. And he really showed me, so I used to always think of this concept of like balancing the two worlds and, and he really kind of corrected me. And I understand what we all say when we say balance and I recognize that and I still use that term often because I, I know what we mean by that. But in reality, balance is when two things have equal weight and value mm-hmm. and they offset each other. And that's not the case here. So God has really allowed me to prioritize rather than balance because mm-hmm. nothing is of equal weight or priority as our church and our ministry. That obviously is the most important. And especially now with my kids, I want them to see that, that that's our priority. So God has really helped me to learn, know how to prioritize 
So I try not to say balance as much because they're not, (laughs) but to prioritize our time and our family. And I have to say, Jonathan is the best at this. He helps me so much in really staying centered and grounded. He helps with things around the house, with the kids logistically, not just emotionally, but literally he helps me in so many ways. And we've just had to learn as a team really how to navigate the hecticness of kind of these two concurrent worlds kind of going on. And it's it's made our marriage and our family, I think, stronger. Like I said, it also presents a lot of challenges. But I think ultimately, I'm so thankful because my career has really allowed me to, to grow in ways that I just don't I don't know how I could have otherwise grown, both through the positive experiences, but also through some really challenging professional experiences that I've gone through. I think it's just helped me to grow in a way that benefits me as a Christian and through ministry and being involved, you know, in Bethel. And, but it's certainly something that it takes effort, you know, it, it takes effort to make sure that we're having the time with our family that we have, that we're, committing the time that we need to our young people and our youth. And uh, actually one of my colleagues, it's another opportunity I have with my friends is one of my colleagues called me yesterday at the office and she was saying, how do you do this? How do you work all all the time here? And you do this with your church. And and so those are just been little opportunities where then I have that moment, right? She asked me. So then I Mm -hmm. have this opportunity to share with her a little bit about that. And so I think it's, you know, God can use all of these, situations to help each of us in our unique ways, you know, to find the best way that we can minister. Yeah. Well, okay. And this is maybe a personal question. And so if you don't feel like you want to answer it, or if we decide we don't want to keep it in, that's perfectly fine. But you have mentioned that your job is what allows you all to be there on Long Island for Jonathan to do the job he's doing at the church. And so can you talk a little bit about that dynamic of you're the one working outside of the home not that Jonathan's job is not a job outside of the home, but he, like you said, he's handling a lot of the logistics with the kids and things like that. This is where Dave and I are right now too, where I'm the one that's leaving the home to go to work. He's at home with the kids handling, you know, virtual school and all of these things. And it's a, it's been an adjustment for us because that's not how we started out our first, you know, eight years of marriage. So how do you guys navigate that? I can tell by watching from the outside, like I said, through your social media, that Jonathan is your biggest cheerleader. He is so proud of every accomplishment that you have. And it warms my heart to see that. Like, I just love to see him brag on you online. (laughs) But can you talk a little bit about that dynamic? And has that been a challenge or has that been something that's come naturally to y'all? So I, since we were married, I've, I've always worked outside of the home, including when we were in Cincinnati. So in some ways, this has been our norm where Jonathan Mm. works full-time for the church. I have worked full-time in in whatever place. So in some ways, it's been our norm. It certainly, you know, has created challenges. And sometimes even it's challenges just because of his schedule with the church and my schedule with work and Mm. trying to still make sure all those things are done. But really, we've just had to come at it as at least for this season of life, We are two equal contributors in every aspect. I don't mean just financially. I mean, in every aspect of Mm -hmm. like with the kids, with the food, with the cleaning, with the laundry, with the, you know, running of errands. Like it's just, it's one of those things where we've had to approach it in a very non-traditional sense 
where it's just, this is our life and these are our responsibilities and let's divide it out and see how we can make it happen. And that's something that to Jonathan's credit, like he has embraced from the beginning and been willing to help me in any way. And I too, in turn for him, you know, we've tried to really just approach it as like, this is everything we have to do. And these are our resources and this is our time. And now like, how are we going to divide and make this happen? And we've just had to recognize that what works for us is likely not the norm and may not work for other people, but that's okay. You know, and that's at least for this season of our life, that's what we have to do. And so certainly there's been, you know, some adjustment to that. Once we had kids, it certainly changes everything because (laughs) now that list just grew, you know, exponentially. But, you know, I give him a lot of credit. He's really partnered with me and in every way. And then I, in turn, try to do the same. And like, I want to be actively engaged in ministry with him and doing those things with him. So, you know, it's certainly something we've had to learn and, you know, work at and put effort into, um, but we've just had to embrace the fact that for us, it's maybe not traditional and we're a team and we, we just have to, we stick together. Otherwise we'll sink. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you sharing. It's been so great to chat with you about this. We have one final question. That's been the same on every episode so far. What is a good question that you're asking lately? Okay, so I have two. Can I ask two? Absolutely. One is kind of biblical. I mean, it is biblical, but it's it's not that deep. And then another's practical. So one, my first question is, did you know, and probably everyone knew this but me, okay, but I only learned this like a year ago, and I can't believe this, but there are two like loaves and fishes miracles recorded by Matthew and Mark. And I... <laughs> It's just, you always hear about the, the loaves and the fishes. And until about a year ago, as I was reading the Bible in chronological order, I realized that like that same miracle happens twice in, in Matthew 14 and 15 in different locations, different people. So I looked into right. it a little bit to try to get an understanding of maybe why one was more, one was with the Jews, the others with the Gentiles. And so there's lots of different thinking on as to why Matthew and Mark choose to include both of those miracles. But I don't know it all growing up. I just thought there is the story of the fishes and the loaves. And then now as an adult, I realized there's two stories That's of the fishes funny and the loaves and the miracles. So it has, it's just, I don't know. It's just interesting to me and it has no real long-term eternal impact, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> the other thing, the other question I have is why when you have to wake up for work or do something, you feel like you could sleep until 10 a.m. And then like on a Saturday or a day when you can sleep in, you and or your kids are like wide awake at 6.30 in the morning. And it happens without fail all the time. <laughs> I never understand why. I always thought when my parents woke up early that that was because they were old people and I would never be that person. And now I find myself waking up early on days that I can actually sleep in and being so frustrated. And then the days where I do need to wake up early, I think I could sleep three more hours. stay in there all day. Yep. (laughs) I know. I don't know why it happens, but it does. I don't either, but there we are. Or you lay there and you're, you could sleep more, but your back hurts. That's been happening to me. It's like, well, I might as well get up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm so thankful that you came on today. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. I know that this is going to 
speak to someone. I just believe it. So I appreciate you so much, Lindsay, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much, Jess. I appreciate the opportunity. God bless. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I so appreciate Lindsay coming on to encourage us to trust God's leading in all our life choices, big and small. Remember that your life, your career, your marriage, your family don't have to look like anyone else's. As long as God is ordering your steps and your choices are pleasing to Him, you can walk forward in confidence and faith that He's going to use you wherever you go. It won't always be easy, but when he's writing the story, we know it will end well and every chapter will be woven together for our good. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll share it. Put a link up on Instagram or Facebook and tag us when you do. It really does make our day. Or share it directly with a friend through a text or go super old school and call them on the phone. However you share, we're grateful. You can find the show's Facebook page by searching Good Question with Jessica Tandra Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Good Question Show, and you can find me at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. The show is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup, my co-producer, editor, and the person who takes my kids out to breakfast so I can record without their lovely voices in the background is my husband, Dave Tanderup. And starting this week, our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk, We want to shout out a huge thank you to our listener supporters who contribute financially to help us make the show. If you're interested in becoming a supporter as well, you can do so by following the link in the show notes to Anchor, where you can sign up for as little as 99 cents per month. That's it for me. I hope you have a fantastic week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.